No matter how good your IT department is or how many advanced technologies you've invested in, your networks are probably still at risk. Cybersecurity should never be the responsibility of a single team or department. It's something that needs to be shared and embraced throughout an entire organization. And that includes its network of technology partners, vendors, and suppliers. And unfortunately, humans can be the biggest risk of all. That's why it's important to create a culture of cybersecurity. Thanks so much for joining us again at the ICS Pulse podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Gary Cohen. Joining me as always is Tyler Wall. Yep, we're back for another one. Back for another one. We're just going to keep cranking these guys out. Um, so uh, this week, we're going to be talking about creating a culture of cybersecurity with a great guest. His name is Matt Leipnick, uh from Nexus Controls, a Baker Hughes business. Uh, and we, when we were setting this up, we were thinking, what better time to talk about creating a culture of cybersecurity than Cybersecurity Awareness Month? So we're going to keep hammering in those behaviors that, uh, that people are talking about, enabling multi-factor authentication, using strong passwords and a password manager, updating software, recognizing and reporting phishing. Uh, these aren't the specific things that, that, uh, that Matt and I talk about in the interview, but they are all part of creating a culture of cybersecurity and keeping your organization safer. Oh yeah, definitely. And I was recently actually writing an article last week um, about a recent, more recent cyber attack uh, about a year or two ago that could have really benefited from this um, this cybersecurity culture. And uh, it was just took place in rural Maine in a place called Limestone and uh, two of these sewage plants got hit by a ransomware attack. And while nothing really came of it negatively, uh, it definitely highlighted the fact that really we are all vulnerable and that we all need to be uh, cyber safe, especially because who's heard of Limestone, Maine? Uh, it's just, it just really highlighted and should kind of, I don't want to say strike fear in everybody, but should at least give everybody a heightened awareness that um, their systems can really be hacked too. I think one of the reasons a lot of organizations, especially small to mid-sized businesses, don't create what we're calling a culture of cybersecurity in their organization is because they tend to think, we're a small business. Who's going to care about us? Why would anybody go after us when Googles and Amazons and places like that exist in the world? we're not going to get hit. And that just isn't the case. I mean, with things like supply chain attacks, everything is so interconnected now. If you sell one part to a company that works with the defense industrial base or works with a major software company, like I said, a Google, an ABC, a uh, an Amazon, then you are susceptible. Anybody is susceptible to a cyber attack. So uh, as as this attack in Maine proves, so it's this idea that we are too small and insignificant for anyone to target us. That's been proven wrong multiple, multiple times. It has, and it almost even paints a slightly bigger target because maybe that business doesn't have the um, resources to be a little more cyber smart. And then also that threat actor is more likely to get away with it because- I mean, again, it's just comes down to priority and funds. Like if, if that business doesn't necessarily have the money to allocate towards that, or maybe they do and they just are choosing to put it somewhere else. 
uh, it's just easier to kind of get in and out right there, especially with like ransomware attacks. Like what are, what's a small business going to do about it without having to close up shop? Right. You think about what the repercussions would be for a small business is maybe you're unlikely to get hit. Maybe you're not. But if, uh, if Alphabet gets hit with a cyber attack, they probably have a few funds in reserve that uh, if, uh, if they get hit by ransomware, that they can pay that ransom. Yeah. Uh, if a small company, a little mom and pop company gets hit with a cyber attack, it probably is putting that company out of business. So it's uh, to protect yourself is just just the smart thing to do. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, one of the things that that we well, and also let me just point out uh, in the everybody is susceptible. I mean, I tend to before we record this podcast. If I don't know of him already, I look at the news and just see what's happened in the last week. And I mean, just in the week between when we recorded the last podcast and this podcast, the L.A. school system was hit. A health care organization called Common Spirit was hit. So at least we think it was likely a cyber attack. Cyber attacks are happening fast and furious. And just because you only see a few in the news doesn't mean that's all that's happening. There are plenty of them out there that go unreported. So they they keep coming and keep coming and will continue to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that Matt and I talk about in the interview, Matt Liepnick, our guest and I talk about in the interview, is it, it, when we're talking about creating this culture of cybersecurity is... Um, really preparing for cyber attacks, preparing yourself to, to and making sure your entire organization is ready for a cyber incident or a cyber intrusion to happen. Uh, Tyler and I recently attended IMTS, the trade big trade show in Chicago. And both of us got a chance to talk to a woman named Laura Elon. From, she was the senior director of cybersecurity at the National Center for Cybersecurity and Manufacturing. And she was talking a lot about the importance of Things like tabletop exercises, penetration testing, basically game planning a cyber attack. Because when an attack happens, you have to assume it's going to be chaotic. And you might think, well, we all know how to handle it. But does everybody know whose responsibility, uh, whose responsibility things are, who takes care of X, Y, or Z when things start uh, start going sideways? I mean, there, there used to be, this anecdote's going to age me a little bit. I remember when uh, the movie Titanic came out, which, uh, yes, I remember seeing the theater. Um, There was a big conversation that happened in the world. Everybody went, you know what? If I I were on the Titanic, here's what I would have done. And that always kind of amused me because you can't know what you're going to do. Once everything goes sideways, how do you know how you're going to react to something? You cannot know until you are thrown into the situation, until you are floating on a door in the middle of the North Atlantic in freezing temperatures or the pompous aristocrat just took the last seat on the lifeboat. There's just no way you can know how you're going to react to that. And I think a cyber incident, to belabor this metaphor, is is similar in that there is no way to know how you're going to react. Things are going to come at you in ways that you didn't expect. And if you haven't done things like tabletop exercises, penetration testing, just game planning what would happen you are going to be less prepared for an attack. Oh, yeah. And kind of going back to the uh, Titanic comment, though, I think we can all agree that there was definitely enough room on the door. Uh, But kind of something else that she said that was uh, very great, the speaker, um, and this is something we can get into a little more another time, uh, is just the importance of like picking a standard. And whether that's the NIST or any of the other ones out there, I'm just sticking with it just to help get that basis of cybersecurity up and running and just building off of it from there. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and, and again, this month, if you haven't thought about cybersecurity before, if you haven't thought about securing your systems before, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, this is the time to do it. There are resources out there. Uh, there, as, as we mentioned last time in the podcast, that hashtag be cyber smart hashtag, that'll lead you to a lot of good cybersecurity content this month. Um, make sure you're looking at it. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And uh, hopefully one piece of good stuff out there is going to be this interview that we have with Matt Liebnick. We'll go ahead and bring him in now. Matt is the lead industrial cybersecurity specialist for Nexus Controls, a Baker Hughes business. He has more than 20 years of experience in cybersecurity and is responsible to, for developing customer operational technology cybersecurity solutions, that is a lot to say, across Europe, the UK, and more. Matt, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today, uh, and let's talk cybersecurity. Hi, Gary. Thanks for having me back. So I posited up front that creating the right culture is important, but, but let's, let's go backwards a little bit. How necessary is it to create a culture that embraces cybersecurity throughout the organization? Or is this something that realistically can be left to the IT or OT professionals? Um, I think it's something that can't really be left. I mean, if you take a step back from a, a cybersecurity culture and you just look at the culture of businesses generally, you know, it's very difficult to change a culture once it's once it's set right and we see a lot of uh, effort by organizations to define the culture that they want to have in the organization and the kind of people they want involved now that's that's a you know a more fluffier type of culture if you like but the the we we recognize that it's importance in the organization generally so then when it comes to cybersecurity it's potentially even more important because the pressure uh when you know when the you know, stuff hits the fan uh the pressure and reliance on these people to get you know to delve in get the job done sort this problem out and get uh production back up and running whilst you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars is being lost right if not more for all that to work smoothly uh as a team or, or a virtual team of, of of different resources and people combining together at, you know sometimes very short notice you've absolutely got to have the right culture in place and, and promote a, a culture around cybersecurity, not just on the OT side, but then that, that improves the, the security uh, posture of the organization on, you know, maybe like on the enterprise IT side or, or, or just on the normal business side, perhaps. So what are some of the steps organizations can and should be taking to start building this culture of cybersecurity that, that goes from the C-suite all the way down to the people working on the plant floor? Um, there's a number of ways to approach it. It does depend on the organization. And I think the easiest thing with something like this is, is building off of what you already have, right? So one of the key things we can look at is health and safety. Uh, so that's quite a, a well-respected and understood set of principles in industrial organizations. Something that you don't get as much in, like, let's say, like normal businesses, right? So cyber is a really good extension of that because you've already got that mindset around, you know, risk management, um, uh, safety, uh, things like um, assessing a situation and understanding what your risk controls are going to be around it. How do you protect um, ultimately people? But when we talk about cyber in industrial environments, that can ultimately lead to impact physically to people. So it's a nice extension of, of safety culture and that's a really good way of building off. And then you've got a thing of things about like language how can we use common language 
simple language so everyone knows what we're talking about. There's no point referring to something in uh, the enterprise side that we shouldn't be doing from a cyber point of view and calling it a different name in the OT side. For example, just because it's OT doesn't mean we need to talk about it differently when it comes to education, awareness. Um, bottoming out responsibilities, some of the processes in the workflows, how organizations are going to communicate, um, improving the communication, um, agreeing the tools that that communication is going to happen over. So, for example, there's no point necessarily trying to resolve an incident over email. It might make more sense to have set up a, a private WhatsApp group or something like that, where communication can be better controlled and is much more instantaneous and, and things like that. So these are all all things that kind of have to be thought out. And and really, you're, you're, um, the same way you get different types of software and you're trying to work out how to get it to talk to each other, you're trying to get, you're looking at it from a people basis, like how can we communicate within the different parts of the business so that the we're, 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 everyone understands the importance of cybersecurity and that's really underpinning everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. You talked about leveraging that sort of safety culture. I mean, lots of uh, cyber attacks, the attackers, the threat actors are just looking for money, but then there have also been several attacks recently on critical infrastructure, whether that was Oldsmar in Florida, um, you know, whether that was SolarWinds, whether that was uh, Colonial Pipeline. Obviously, those can have a human toll as well. So leveraging that safety culture, I imagine, can be impactful. Yeah, I mean, we look at it from extreme things um, um, of, of actually, you know, boilers blowing up because they go over a safety threshold and no one notices and you get a huge explosion. That's kind of the extreme viewpoint of things. But, you know, there's more simplistic ones. You know, we've seen in the past people trying to interfere with water supply. Um, you know, oversubscribing over chlorine into the water supply on a very slow and long-term basis that potentially no one can notice. And then more simple things. So, for example, if we um, can't supply electricity or we can't supply fuel, how quickly does the rest of society suffer and, and, and indirectly lead to loss of life, right? So it can't be a direct loss of life, although that's the easiest way to visualize it. You know, things blowing up, every, you know, everyone likes to sensationalize the worst case scenario. But there are more fundamental things that, that can impact society overall quite quickly. And that can actually lead to quite a substantial impact on um, the way of life and, you know, and potentially loss of life. You know, ransomware attacks in hospitals being, you know, a primary one that, that comes to mind there. You talked a little bit a moment ago, and then I, we talked quite a bit in the first video about ITOT convergence. Uh, which is obviously a, a big factor in creating this culture of cybersecurity. So what would your recommendations be toward building a positive and collaborative working relationship between the IT and OT sides who don't always speak the same language? Um, it's funny, actually, because in the past, we've, we've worked to solve a number of those problems. And I would actually not describe that as, as, as industrial cybersecurity activity. I'd describe it more as like marriage counseling, <laughs> to be honest. It's like sometimes we've had teams that don't actually talk to each other. Uh, we had w one example I remember where um, the IT side of the organization managed the switches inside the production environment and then decided to port scan the, the switches for vulnerability without telling anyone knocked everything over and, and ceased production on the plant and the ot guys were so annoyed that they actually no longer talked to each other <laughs> and that was one of the first things we had to do is just sort of get everyone in a room and 
and and kind of see see things from the other people's point of view right and you know walk in their shoes and one of the one of the best ways to do that is is to um spend time um cross skilling across the teams so that might mean taking you know the guys from the it side of the organization and giving them some exposure and spend some time in operations take the ot guys into it you know see how the other side of the coin uh, other other half live and then that get, builds understanding and then you start to uh, you know understand well okay what drives your team and, and what keeps your team up at night is not necessarily the same thing that is applies to our team but now we understand that that's what worries you we can better factor that in when we so next time we decide to do a change you know we'll bring you into the room and and you can formalize that obviously you should have everyone involved in your change process and stuff like that but that's a sort of story-based sort of scenario but you know as a punch list who's responsible for what how are we going to talk to each other how can we um create or, or you know whether that's regular meetings or a regular cadence what methods can we communicate better with each other how can we inform each other better of what we're both doing and then working more as like a single team again underpinning based on you know this culture idea of cybersecurity being our primary driver as an organization that enables us to do what we want to do as a business so it's kind of aligning a few things together and then i suppose sort of taking down the walls and making things a bit a bit flatter um and a bit more transparent Sure, in today's environment, it doesn't really matter that much anymore whether the attack comes in through the OT side or the IT side. It's probably going to affect both sides now, as it did with Colonial, as it has in many other attacks. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. We, we always, historically, and, and, and OT is always probably playing catch up to the, the IT side of things and what we see on the IT side of the, the sort of threat threat sphere, if you like. But um, yeah, I mean, we always talk about like north to south so we're always worried about stuff coming in from the internet and then historically a lot of a lot of plants go oh you know we're air gapped nothing nothing comes in we're you know air gapped is our our thing and you'd be surprised the number of times that we've gone to um a site and it's not actually air gapped so that everyone thinks it is and there's connectivity to the outside world that no one knew about or forgot about or or those sorts of things excuse me so you've got that aspect we always think north to south historically but um, once something comes in, it then moves east to west. And we're really, uh, I say, really bad at looking at that piece. So this is something I, I talked about the last time we spoke, I think, is this idea of gaining visibility of your whole environment and, and understanding what's moving left to right as well. And then, yeah, I think we'll also see uh, an increase going forward of, of, of stuff originating in the OT side, you know, whether that's come in because the CCTV system uh, is weak and someone's managed to stand outside the, you know, the gate of the plant and, and come in that way. But I, I, I think we'll see a lot of south to north problems occurring as well. So one of the, um, I suppose one of the things that we do around that at Nexus Controls is we look more broadly across the plant. So it's not limited to, you know, the DCS provider or a particular controls OEM from our point of view we take a much more agnostic approach and we're, we're looking at how we can apply centralized visibility management and control of cybersecurity um, from a, a single point of control or at least a um, uh, a funneled point of control maybe across uh, you know a series of plants or a region or you know across an entire fleet 
but um i think this idea of of moving from you know one system uh, one set of security control per system and 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 that's not going to scale for an organization that's struggling to get budget so the key really is is how can i spend money and cover as much of my estate as possible without presenting my operations engineers with 17 things to log into to be able to do that right so it's it's consolidation and i think broadening out across across the whole of the plant to give you visibility and from there i suppose the nirvana really being after that is you then can start to leverage that to help your supply chain become more secure as well and and that's probably a big area of focus going forward um is not just as your security matures but what's the security of my supply chain uh you know if we take solar winds for example right solar winds attack how can i be sure that the people i'm working with have take security as seriously as i do at to potentially to the point that you can roll out your solution to your suppliers maybe for a, maybe for a discount who knows right but that idea of extending the ecosystem so you're starting to you know you're starting to extend the the the, the fence around your farm to cover you know to cover all the animals right Right. And not only the people you're working with, but the people they're working with and all the way down that chain. Absolutely. Um, When we're talking about building this culture of cybersecurity, how beneficial is it to to look at it or to take a risk based approach? Um, I mean, again, we talked about health and safety at the start, which which is sort of leveraging that risk based approach. But um, I think it also provides better efficiency um, of um, deployment of investment and return. Okay, so you've got limited set of resources, you've got all these plates spinning. How do you know where you should spend your time and which plates you can let drop and which plates you've got to make sure that that, that you can never drop, right? And one of the ways around that, uh, and I I think I talked previously about this when we last spoke, when when you get more mature and you're you're going to that more proactive approach, allows you to take a risk-based approach to security. So you kind of got two. One's like maturity-based approaches, right? So we'll just build up from the bottom or just add layers of security and technology and process and eventually we'll have quite a comprehensive set of protection but we haven't really focused that so much we just we've just added you know the traditional layers of the onion right whereas a risk-based approach what we're really saying is who are the bad actors how are they working what are they trying to do in 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 my market and how are they behaving and then based on what tools and techniques they're using we can look at our organization and say well actually we're weak against this technique but we're strong against this technique so here's our risk here's here's an order of risk here's a priority around that and what you're actually starting to do is is starting to spend money on the defenses where the attackers are going to come at you from um you know there's no point um putting bars on the door and 17 locks on your front door if the attackers are just going to come in through the roof right so you, you you start to understand how your how the attacker looks at you, and therefore you look more how you're going to manage those risks. That then gives you where you should spend your resources, you know, to what degree, how quickly, and in what order. So moving to a risk-based approach, I think is a is a more dynamic, um, a more flexible approach because as the as the attack attackers change and the threats change and and their methods change, you can um, dynamically adapt. Based on how your risk has changed, what you know, what, bring a project forward, push a project back, spend more money here, buy this kind of tool if that's what we're missing, train people in this area if if those are the skills that we think we're weak on, um, and and it gives you um, 
a more agile approach, I think, when you when you take on a risk based approach to cybersecurity. Sure. So so let's conclude this with that. We know cybersecurity professionals love to measure. Uh, so what does success look like in this endeavor? How do you measure toward goals in, in building this proper culture? Um, there's a there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at it. So uh, one way to measure it is I, I like to talk about flow. So that's you've increased flow of certain things in your organization, whether that's data, um, money, um, or productivity, right? So that's one way of looking at it. You've managed to uh, affect some sort of increase to the, the flow of stuff for your organization. The other way to look at it is obviously um, number of incidents that are occurring, the, 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 the length of time those incident, incidents go on for and how quickly you manage to recover from them. Um, a lot of people try to use the statistics of like, oh, we've, we've realized we've picked up, you know, a thousand, um, a sp- thousand alerts on our environment today. So our detection's really good. But I think that's a false sense of security. I think you need to measure it um, in a more, uh, what I would call like a business orientated way, right? So how many unexpected hours of outage have we got this year compared to last year? What's that percentage risk versus uptime versus downtime? Um, How are we responding to incidents in an average of six hours versus 12 hours last year? You know, those sorts of things. And then really it's probably, and I know I talked about this last time we spoke in our previous conversation, but it's about preparedness, right? So it's like, how prepared are you for things to happen? So if you're prepared for 100 possibilities, then that's really a good place to be versus only being prepared for 10 possibilities. So there's a number of different ways you can look at it. Yes, you can look at number of alerts, um, attacks that you can handle, things that you've detected. But I, I, I think that's that's you're chasing the wrong kind of measurement at that point. I think there's easier ways to work out the impact kind of like the way um, marketing has an impact on sales, right? Ultimately, if you sell more, you make more money then market, your marketing is probably working, right? Cause more people know about you. So similar idea in, in security. If you're, if you're having an impact on things like outages, maintenance times, um, uptime, then I think that's a really great way to demonstrate the kind of return on investment. And ultimately, obviously, you can you can do something like a, you could get a security test after the um, after some investment and a project delivery. You could test it at that point, and then you would have a sort of uh, a measure of how you've reduced security before you know before the project started versus at the end of the of the of the process. But I, I prefer to focus on what I would call uh, uptime sort of statistics that the organisation is looking at anyway, right? And this comes back to you know, how do you get the business to buy into security? Because security is actually enabling the business to actually grow as opposed to, um, you know, yes, there's a compliance aspect for it. Some of this critical infrastructures and regulated markets, et cetera. Some of the stuff you have to do because legally you're obliged to do, but actually that even that drives your business forward. If you take the, the lens that security is an enabler for business, not, uh, you know, not just something that we have to have to, to, to keep uh, to stop people moaning at us. <laughs> well, I think I would consider this conversation very successful. So Matt, thank you so much. Thank for you very much. Again. It's all great information. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, there you have it. Matt Leipnick talking about building a culture of cybersecurity in your organization. As I said before, 
uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, the perfect time to be thinking about some of these things. And <laughs> Tyler, one of the things that he said uh, um, that really stuck with me in that interview was that uh, that story he told about the ITOT divide and that sometimes it's a little bit more like marriage counseling. You know, we talk a lot about ITOT convergence here and how those sides need to work together. Uh, it's it's a lot of the content on our, on our website, Industrial Cybersecurity Polls, talks about that. Um, but they often do speak that different language. And to have a situation where the OT department is now angry at the IT department and they're not going to talk and they're not going to work together, uh, that is like the worst case scenario. Oh, it's the worst case, but it's a very bad scenario in building a culture of cybersecurity. Uh, makes your organization much more at risk. So it really starts, as he said, it, it starts with understanding. It starts with getting these people to talk to each other and understand what the other one is going through so they can work together to a common cause. Oh, yeah. And that's why IT, like a, in ITOT convergence is such a big deal right now. Is like you said, it's because they aren't communicating. Or if they are communicating, they are just now starting to communicate. And they need to be able to work work out their indifferences together. It really does sound like like uh <laughs> kind of like a divorce going on but yes a uh, marriage a marriage gone bad i mean it is you know it's and look we understand and i'm sure the people listening understand it systems are secured very differently than ot systems they are just different animals so this idea of um, you know, somebody from the IT department went and scanned the switches for vulnerabilities without telling the OT. That's something that's a standard, would be a standard procedure in an IT department. But when you do it on OT, it causes some problems. So understanding that that's the case uh, will, again, make things a whole lot simpler. Yeah, it really will. And it, yeah, so a big thank you to Matt Leipnick for joining us um, today to like just tell us about building that culture of cybersecurity. And, uh, leading us kind of through the conversation, at least getting ITOT convergence started in that way too. Um, don't forget that it is indeed Cybersecurity Awareness Month and that when you are on Twitter, you should absolutely always be using the hashtag BeCybersmart. That is hashtag B-E-C-Y-B-E-R-S-M-A-R-T. And uh, next week, we will be coming out with another podcast as per usual. And that will be on Thursday at industrialcybersecuritypulse.com. And with that one, I think it's going to be Gary Solo in that one. So make sure you come back to hear him talk for a nice five to 10 minutes. Oh, I'm going to go on by myself for an hour on the next podcast. It's going to be miserable. So yeah, Tyler, <laughs> unfortunately for me, is going to be uh, traveling in Germany. So I'm going to have to do this one solo, but, uh, but I'll try to keep it as interesting as I possibly can. And we have a great guest for the next one. So that'll help me out a little bit. Uh, because I do believe in the, uh, the, uh, the old axiom that repetition builds excitement. I'm going to go through one more time, those four key behaviors of cybersecurity awareness month that they're trying to pound home, enabling multi-factor authentication, using strong passwords and a password manager, updating software, recognizing and reporting phishing. Be looking for content for those things. Those are all really, really key things that you can do to help keep your system secure. Yes, and you will also be able to find that content at industrialcybersecuritypulse.com. And yep, like I said, make sure you tune in next week for our next podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.